Welcome everyone to Guild Chat Cafe, where we talk about all things learning, brought to you by the Learning Guild. My name is Jeff Batt. I am the program manager over DevLearn. And today we're going to be talking with Matt Pierce, who is the learning and video ambassador for TechSmith, and who will be talking at uh, the Learning Solutions Conference coming up. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, Matt, why don't you give us a quick introduction to who you are, um, what your background is, and kind of what makes you passionate about learning as well. Yeah, thank you so much. So um, my background is I've been at TechSmith for a long time. They're the company that makes Camtasia and Snagit, and I've had a, I really started in learning development, you know, creating tutorial videos, creating screencasts, creating learning experiences for our customers. And that's kind of gone, come and gone in terms of I've worked in various departments, got involved in uh, our marketing department doing video. So I've, I was able to blend kind of a couple different things together, video, learning, and I've been on that journey really ever since. And it's been really great to see the impact that, particularly in the last couple of years, how uh, video has risen to kind of the cream of the crop in terms of one of the great ways that organizations can use not only to create learning content, but communication, whether it's synchronous, asynchronous. Um, so lots of great things come come from that. And my, my passion for learning is I love seeing people be successful. I love helping people. Uh, and I've been very fortunate in my career. That's really what I get to do. It's not about trying to sell anybody on something. It's always been about how do I help you to do something that you need to do better, particularly with the tools that we have, but generally with video and images and things like that. Awesome. Yeah. It seems like video kind of uh, went away for a little bit. Well, not went away, but, you know, kind of died down a little bit and then started coming back and people realized, oh, video does make it impactful or it tends to bring out the emotions or other things like that. So it's it's awesome to see being a video guy myself to kind of see that come back as well. Um, now, you're going to be talking about at the Learning Solutions Conference coming up here in, in April, uh, Learning Solutions 2022 you're going to be talking about effectively creating screencasts. And so that's my first question is what are screencasts just to kind of, I, I know there's terms all over the place to kind of level set when you're talking about screencasts, what are you talking about? Yeah. So a screencast essentially is it's a type of video and particularly it's a video that focuses on the things that are happening on your screen. So recording the things that are going on, whether it's a, a system, a piece of software, Maybe you're recording feedback in a process. So it's anything that you're capturing on your screen. And if we talked probably five, 10 years ago, I would have said, that's it, right? It's just those things. But nowadays, because technology has come such a long way, I think we're, we've got better tools. We've got better opportunities. It could also include other aspects. Like you might include camera video. You might include uh, text animation. You might include these other things that aren't just the screen. But when we call it a screencast, that's the primary focus of what the video you're making is about, something that's going on on your screen. So it could be like software tutorials or like how to log into a portal and do different things like that is what we're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you could even, if you want to extend that even a little bit, and, and maybe this is, well, you know, we, we could debate a little bit about it, but like recording a PowerPoint presentation, something that maybe you were giving a uh, uh, synchronously before you go and record that PowerPoint presentation, let somebody watch it. And you know, you're recording the screen of the PowerPoint. Maybe you're including some camera footage of yourself, but you're giving, delivering that up for onboarding purposes. Maybe it's compliance training, whatever it might be. Awesome. So at what point does it make sense to make one of these screencasts or you've already mentioned a couple of them, but like what situations or, um, why should I invest my time to make a screencast? What, what are some of the benefits that come from it? 
Yeah, I think one of the things is scalability. So when you make a video of any video, but particularly screencasts, then all of a sudden you can share it broadly across an organization. And it's also something that can be gone back to. So one of the scenarios I think we see happen is that someone will have a task that they need to do. They go through training and what happens, they forget, right? Like, oh gosh, I don't remember how to log into this system. Uh, I actually was dealing with this last night. I was trying to set up a new phone and get into uh, two-factor authentication reset up on the new phone. I'm like, ah, uh, how do I do this again without losing everything? Uh, and so having a screencast video is really great for that because again, it's scalable. It can go out to everybody in the organization. It can be put into an LMS or some kind of repository where you can revisit it. Um, it's also something that in a remote world, you can't look over somebody's shoulder as easily as you once did. So if you were showing me how to do something really cool in Storyline or some other program, you can record that and it's like I get that kind of over the shoulder view as you walk me through it. So it can become a lot more personal in that way as well. Yeah, I find um, I find that it also if I'm trying to show a team something, and I've had this many times where you know I'm about to go in and talk with uh, my managers or directors or something like that. I find that sending them like a short screencast of some slides and stuff beforehand kind of sets the stage as well before I go into that meeting. And so that's to me one of the benefits is that, like even just like getting setting some context before the meeting can help with that and a, a quick screencast could do the trick there basically. Yeah, I, lo I love that idea of setting context. I think that's really powerful. I also think sometimes if we wanna make it even a little bit more personal, like it's on the other side, like someone's asked you for feedback on a project, like, oh, hey Jeff, could you review this thing that I'm doing? And you're like, I, you know, I'm gonna have to write this out or you turn on the screen recorder and you just record the feedback, whether it's a digital, you know, these days it's like people want feedback on their portfolios or they want, you know, like maybe they made a, a storyline project or a captivate project, or maybe it's another video, right? Like, and you can just, you can record your thoughts. So not only do they see what you're seeing when you're seeing it, but you're getting that kind of stream of consciousness, if that's okay, in terms of for feedback, you know, um, and they, so you don't lose some of that context. Like, well, someone's like, it's like they're really wishy-washy. That's good to know. It's hard to tell in text. If someone's like, yeah, you could change it, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, and how do you write that? Like you could change it. But like, so the interpretation is, is limited uh, by when you share a video and they can hear you, they can see you, and you're, you're talking about the thing that you want them to talk about. So I think there's lots of, lots of ways to use screencasts. I think most of what we'll focus on like in my session or uh, what I talk a lot about is that learning aspect of it, right? How do you make it into a training? But there's so many, it's very flexible. It's like really kind of limited by your creativity. If it's something on screen, how do you take that and turn that into a piece of communication? Yeah, if anything, I like that because you could save a whole lot of time instead of having to schedule a meeting with five different people, um, maybe do a quick screencast, share that out or something. Um, and then either, like we were talking about, that sets the context for an actual meeting, or maybe you don't need a meeting. Maybe they can give you feedback off of that screen recording and it can save people time uh, without having to you know, all come together and, and meet like that. Um, and that leads me to my next question is kind of what skill set or what preparation does somebody have to do in order to do a screen recording? Or um, what, what do they do? Or, or what are some of the hiccups that they may have when they're getting started as well? Yeah, this is, there's a lot to this question that you could talk about because it depends on where you're coming, what experience you have. But if if you've done any kind of multimedia, you're you're probably going to find this like, oh, this is pretty straightforward. 
but it, but it is a different video in itself is a different medium, right? There's cause you're not only dealing with like the things that are going to be said, you have to think about what's going to be shown and it's in a linear fashion, meaning it's, you know, there's a time factor that goes with it. It's not like PowerPoint, you've got words and you've got visuals and you've sort of got order, but that's super easy to manipulate video. You got to like, okay, it's got to have motion and movement, things that are changing throughout. If you just, you know, you could bring, bring up a slide and it just sits there. It's, pretty boring and most people don't want to sit through that. So I, I think the things you need to bring is bring some decent writing skills to the game. Like if you can write a script or, you know, get an outline, that's going to help you to know what to say. Having some basic understanding of a, how to edit a video is super helpful, but most, most of us weren't taught that in school. I sure wasn't. I've had to kind of learn on my own and, you know, learn from people that are much better at it than I am. And, but so just being, having a willingness to learn, like what it means to edit video and what looks good um, is super helpful. And you can do that pretty easily, pretty quickly. It doesn't have to be fancy. We're, we're so lucky. We live in an era of YouTube, which has said that the bar for video quality uh, from a terms of like the visuals has gone from like super high. Everything's got to look like Hollywood. We've got to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a production company to like, no, as long as it sounds good and it looks decent, you can make it work, right? Like you don't want to be distracting, but there's not a lot you have to do to make a successful video. Of course, you can always pour more resources, more time into it, make something awesome. And, and then you just have to judge, is it worth the quality of, of, of doing that? Is it going to make a really difference to the end user, the viewer to on that impact? So I don't think you need a lot of skills, but it's really taking your, if you're in learning development, you're in training, instructional design, you can bring all those skills and they'll apply directly to creating video. And then there's a few specialized things like how do you cut? How do you add a transition? What looks good? What doesn't? And those are easy to learn. It's just a matter of applying them appropriately as you go. Yeah. Even going to, you know, like you're talking about, as far as the quality goes, what's kind of rising in popularity with TikTok is the short videos and even YouTube, the YouTube short videos where people pull out their phones. Most people have phones and they can easily record something that's not exactly a screencast. That's more of, you know, live video and stuff, but I think it still works. They've some quick introduction or some instruction or something like that, that you can easily share out. Um, but that does lead me to a question that I've had, you know, I've created several different YouTube videos, um, in the past little while. And I get this asked a lot is like, do you script or do you not script your videos? Is it better to script or is it better not to script your videos? What's your take on that? Oh boy. Uh, I, I, it, it is, there's so much there. So I typically tell people that it, if you want control and you want to be very focused, script your video, it, it is by far the easiest thing to, it's not easy to necessarily write a script, but it's going to be easier in the long run. I think to develop a video based on a script because you, you've literally planned everything before you ever go to record anything, right? Like, you know, generally what you need to show, you know, kind of where the break points are, transition points, things like that. And so that's going to give you ultimate control over length, over the message, uh, kind of, it's like now it's yours and you can make it into whatever you need to, it to be. But I am someone who does a lot of video that's live, literally going live on like YouTube and stuff like that. Um, or I do a lot of one-off videos for customers. Like they've asked a question and I'll just make them a quick, like, Hey, let me show you how to do that video. So there's a benefit in having an outline is like, if, if you're good off the cuff and you feel confident that you can talk about the subject, you're expert enough about it and you can eliminate kind of the extraneous information, an outline is perfectly fine. 
But most of us, first starting off, particularly find that very difficult. How to be focused, how to make sure it's going to flow well. Are you going to hit all, make sure all your objectives are being met? You're focused on the right information. And so that's kind of the difference. An outline can help you with that. But even as I'm going through this answer, I'm thinking like, okay, what are all the other things I need to say? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a skill set to go off the cuff with an outline. I'm, I'm much more likely to miss something or have problems. And then it's harder to go back and edit. The, the advantage of a script is I can do that script multiple times and then I can piece the best parts together. An outline, it's harder to find pieces that fit together if I've just gone off the cuff. Um, it might be that you can find sections and piece them together, but it just becomes a much more arduous task to edit if you have to do lots of takes. If you're going to do like, I'm going to like one and done it, great. If you're going to do like, I'm going to do this until I get it right, you're going to spend more time in the editing process. So it doesn't really matter. What really matters is, is my audience going to benefit from the message I'm sharing with them? Are they going to relate to it? And are they going to be able to understand it in the way I've put it together? And, you know, if it takes me an extra minute, is that okay? I don't know. Maybe time is critical. Your people are billing by every six minutes and you don't want to spend an extra minute. Or maybe it's like, nope, I just, I want them to be connected to me. I want them to feel who, like, we are as a company, Matt's an expert, let's put Matt on the camera and do, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's fine too. You just understand what you're getting into and then and make your decision. But I, I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. Uh, I think it's about preference, about choice. For me, especially for beginners, I think scripting makes it easier to control. And I would go that route to start and then experiment. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there because when I've scripted, I've it becomes really short. It becomes really focused and everything. Um, and so that's, that's one of the benefits about scripting. One of the challenges I had with scripting though, I remember when I was recording the course for Pluralsight is I scripted it and I, I've sounded very robotic yep. and stuff. So how does somebody get past, you know, sounding robotic and more natural when they're reading a script? It's, it's tough. Uh, that is definitely the downside to script, right? Cause you're going to read it. And most of us are not natural readers in terms of like, we haven't practiced since maybe high school or grade school reading out loud to people. Um, and so you have to kind of put on a persona and say like, okay, well, what's the voice I want to project and then inject a lot of energy and practice. Like, how am I going to say this? How do I say this in a way that it makes sense? Um, if you just go on a cold read and you just read it to read it, it's going to sound pretty stale and pretty robotic. But what you can do is you can start saying, let, let me, Got a book here. It's a bicycle manual, but it's like, are you wearing a helmet and other appropriate equipment? Like, you, you know, I would practice that, but you, you can put some emotion, get your ebbs and flows of your voice, treat it much more like a script as in like you're in a movie, which it, it is a script. It is a video script, but don't treat it like I'm, you're not just reading it. You need to be able to say it. And then one thing I find often happens is as I get into it, I have, I don't know, something funny with my mouth where I can't say the words right. And I'll put, I've put words together that I just, I can't say the combination. So be open to changing that. Be open to editing it so you can sound natural. Maybe you would never say the a certain phrase. Maybe it just doesn't roll off the tongue. It's not easy. It's nothing you would ever say. Can you rephrase that? So is more like what Jeff would say or what for me, for what Matt would say. And, and so you have to do some customization uh, along the way. And that might be in the audio booth or on camera. Like if you're doing on camera stuff, like you might be like in the moment saying, I can't say that. That's never going to roll off my tongue in the way that I want it to sound. So let's change it. And that's okay. Yeah. 
and even like saying it out loud, there's, there's two different ways of, you know, speaking the way that you write it is a little bit different than the way you actually say it as well. So after you write something, maybe going and saying it, you know, out loud and seeing if it sounds good in your, you know, speaking voice as well as something that could help. I think pro tip. Uh, open like a Google Doc or whatever tool you use that has this ability and do text or speech to text and then say the things that you want to say. I worked on a project and we wrote multiple scripts this way where I was working with the, I was kind of a subject matter expert. He was a subject matter expert as well, but he was going to be doing the on-camera work. And I just said, okay, how would you say that? Tell, just tell me, tell me what you would say during that. And then we would go and clean it up, but it would just capture the things that he was saying, uh, you know, and so then it needed grammar support, commas and all that stuff, but it would capture kind of how he would say it. And then we could massage that just a little bit to get it really sounding natural so that when he was on camera and he was looking at a teleprompter in this case, or if you're in an audio, you know, you're at, in your closet recording off a piece of paper, just the audio, it was already what he would say and how he would say it. And so I think there's lots of ways to kind of get to that point. And you'll learn how to write better for yourself or for whoever you're writing for. But that's experience. Don't don't beat yourself up if day one it's not you're not sounding like you're writing naturally for reading off a script. It's hard to do. Yeah, and I would even say the same thing with like your equipment and recording. If you're gonna do live video, um, his, I looked back at like my videos from the past year and a half or so, and I could see the progression. And I think people hesitate because they want to get it perfect. And, but it's not something you can get perfect. It kind of happens over time. You learn new things and, and improve and, and get new equipment and lighting and other things like that. So, and um, that does lead me to my next question though. And this is the, definitely the learning aspect of it all is like, how do you in screencast when you're going through these screencasts, how do you keep the learner's attention? What are some tips or things that you've seen for kind of best practices for keeping the learner's attention in videos? That's a great, it's a great question. I think we need to, let's level set first and say, let's assume that in this video, there's a reason why they need to watch this video or want to watch this video. And I think if that's not true, we need to go back to that point and say like, why are we making them do this work? What's the value for them? So they need to, the, the, the classic with them, right? The what's in it for me. They need to understand that. And I think that's key for any video. When I go to like YouTube and search for topics, it's because I have a either a desire, you know, a lot of YouTube is entertainment, but if I'm going to like learn how to change a battery in my car, I have a need. Right. And so I think we want to start there, like all learn good learning projects, right? What's in it for the end, the end learner? What are they going to get out of it? And then I think there's a couple things you can do. One, make sure your audio quality is good. Uh, we have some research that we did that looked at like, why do people stop watching videos? And the number one reason people stop watching videos is bad audio, right? If your audio doesn't sound good, you don't have a, a decent mic. And I'm not saying go out and spend thousands of dollars. You know, it's like get a, just, just a decent mic that sounds okay. That will, you know, eliminate background noise. That will make a big world of difference too. Next, think about what you're showing and how long you're showing it for. I mentioned earlier, like if you've got a PowerPoint slide up and it's like a bullet point and it's just sitting there for a minute, two minutes, five minutes, that's boring. No, like immediately, like I'm going to look at it. I'm going to read what the bullet point is and I'm going to turn to something else. And so we want to have some motion or things, keep things moving, right? Like if it's just stuck on a, the same thing for a really long time, why, why do I want to keep watching that? That with them, 
what's in it for me better be really strong at that point because that's probably the only thing that's going to hold my attention. Like, I need this. I have to understand this. Uh, so think about how you can keep things moving, whether that's using effects or maybe you're using what we call B-roll. So maybe you're, or you're, you're zooming in. I mean, there's in screencasting, there's a lot of different things that you could apply, um, but it just depends on what's appropriate. You don't want to just zoom in to zoom in. Like that's dumb. Don't, don't just do something to, because you're like, I need to get their attention. Like I'm using a zoom to draw attention. I'm focusing them in removing other distractions or I'm using an annotation here to really point out like an arrow or something to really point out the thing that I want them to pay attention to. Or maybe it's even my mouse cursor, you know, like I'm using, I'm enlarging that. So I, it's almost becomes a guide. It's the, you know, if I'm the, the, my learner is the hero, my mouse cursor is now the guide to get me through the journey to the point where I need to go and click or whatever it might be. So you start thinking about in some of these storytelling elements, you start thinking about movement and change. All the kind of things that we're used to, like this is what keeps people paying attention. Give me a reason to keep looking at the screen because if it's static, it's it's going to be hard to do that. Now, some cases you're teaching something and it's, that doesn't the screen doesn't change much. So think about like, okay, am I using story? Am I using other elements to help them to move through that? And maybe if there's nothing there and you're like, there's nothing really to show on the screen at this point because I just need to explain this thing. Maybe you cut to the instructor. Maybe you cut to some B-roll. You know, I'm thinking of my experience in manufacturing. It was doing some health and safety, and it was a giant kiln to get rid of waste at this pharmaceutical plant, right? And But they had this digital system. Like, you needed to understand all the buttons and alerts and things that were going on, but maybe we're explaining something. We could show the actual equipment. That's not always an option, and that's not truly a, you know, at that point, we're moving away from just pure screencast, but... You want to think about the other elements visually, auditorily, kind of from a story perspective, learning perspective, what else can we bring in uh, and apply those. And the, the other thing is just don't be like me and keep rambling. <laughs> keep it short. Focused. <laughs> keep it short, folks. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, one other thing is like, I, I know you've been asked this a lot. I know when anyone asks or talks about video or anything like that, but is is there a recommended length of video as far as that? Or I mean, does that impact the learner's attention? Like you kind of alluded to that a little bit, but what would you say as far as recommended length of the video? I, I, I do get asked this question all the time and I, I love it because I, I think I finally narrowed in on my answer. Uh, first of all, let me go back. If a couple years ago, you would have asked this question, completely different answer. I would have said three to four minutes. I would have said three to four minutes, keep it in that, that length any more than that. And you better have a really, really good reason. Uh, again, in this research I mentioned that TechSmith has, it, the data has shown that from a preference standpoint for viewers watching video, we see a lot of people seeing that kind of three to four minutes, but also a little bit longer. Four to seven minutes is, is really appropriate. And, and even during this last time we got the data in 2021, we saw even some people pref preferring longer videos. But here's what here's really my answer, though, uh, because I always said it. I just said a bunch of different times. The, the right answer is as long as needed, but short as possible. So goes back to understanding your objectives, understanding what it is that they need to understand or learn about or be able to do at the end of this and give them that. If you start going down side tangents and kind of different routes to like, oh, well, let me tell you about this other thing. Like you need to cut those things out. You want to make it as concise as possible, but understanding some, some topics are complex. Some things are going to need time to explain. So 
for instance, uh, I, I don't know anything about variables in some of these other programs like Captivate and Storyline, but I'm, I'm guessing there's some, there's some understanding that needs to happen. And if it takes you eight minutes to get to a really good, clear understanding, take eight minutes. But if along the way in that eight minutes, you're, you're giving these kind of side tangents and things that aren't really related, you're going to, you're going to lose people, I think at that point. So there is no appropriate length. I think if you start getting past 20 minutes, you've really got a question like, is this one video? Should this be two videos? How am I going to deliver it? But you know, we can see people can watch 20, 30, 40 minute videos. It's not, it's not an attention span problem. It's a, is this content relevant, interesting, and applicable to me problem? And if, if I'm not hitting those boxes and maybe some others, I'm not going to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. So true. It just depends if I'm getting the benefit out of it, I'm going to keep watching it as well. Um, and so I think that's tremendously helpful as far as like, I think we try to, in this industry, especially we try to box ourselves into like two to three minutes. It's gotta be two to three minutes, but like you're saying, it could be longer if it's, if it needs to be explained longer, because if you just rush through it, are, are people really going to grasp it? Is there something that they're going to lose from that explanation or something? Yeah. I call this like the nuclear physics problem. Like I don't know anything about nuclear physics, but if someone explains it to me, like a serious like equation or some part of it in two to three minutes, I probably don't really understand it still. (laughs) Like I need, I'm going to need a lot more to get to, to where I need to be. And maybe even just, you know, splitting out the videos even of like, you know, let's first of all tackle this concept and then let's go to this concept and that concept um, might be helpful as well. So, Um, so my, Final question for you, is there anything else that you can tell us that would make these videos impactful? Like um, maybe uh, we've we've talked about engagement, we've talked about other things. What are other things around this that could make your videos impactful? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple, two ideas that come right to mind. First of all, uh, and and there's some risk with this one, but I think it's, there's some uh, scientific principles that you can apply that like you can ask in your video, particularly in a controlled environment inside an organization versus like it's public facing, ask them to pause the video and do something, write down something, have, give them action steps of things they can do during the video so that they're actively engaged, not only in watching the video, but you're asking them to maybe say, Hey, let's summarize up to this point. What for you is your key takeaway. So I think getting them engaged in that way, and you don't have to have like super interactivity. You can just ask them, just go ahead and pause the video for a second and, and write down what you think, right? That, that has a real impact in keeping them watching, engaged. I think the other thing is at the end, I watched the video and now what? Let's be really clear that kind of call to action is a, it's a marketing term, but I think we can use it for learning as well. What am I doing now that I've watched your video? What do I need to do with it? Am I great? Good. Check the box. Compliance is done. Or do I need to practice something or do I need to take some kind of action? Like now go fill out your forms, um, you know, to, to get access to the software, whatever it might be. I think those are two things that often get missed. We sometimes just deliver the video as is, it's a magical thing and like, okay, now that you've seen it, you understand. Is that true? It's hard to say. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. So I think those are just two other ideas I think are easily applied and can have some impact on your kind of the impact of your video. Not something you need to do every time, but definitely, you know, things to consider and try out and see how it works in your organization. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Well, this has been great. I've enjoyed um, being able to talk to you. How do people contact you if they want to see more or even like, I know you have a YouTube channel if you want to mention that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a weekly podcast uh, live stream on YouTube, YouTube called The Visual Lounge by TechSmith. So that we're talking to a lot of learning professionals about making videos, about using images. So that goes on weekly, uh, usually on Thursdays. Uh, if you want to connect with me directly, I'm on LinkedIn, Matthew R. Pierce. Just search that. You'll find me uh, in my face. But you can also go check out uh, other stuff at TechSmith.com or Academy.TechSmith.com which is our free learning platform for teaching things like video images, things like that. And again, completely free. Awesome. Well, if you want to learn more about effectively creating screencasts, make sure that you check us, uh, check Matt out at Learning Solutions Conference coming up on April 20th through the 22nd in Orlando, Florida, uh, 2022. And also you could check out more resources at Learning Guild, or you can check out the conference at learningsolutionscon.com as well. Um, but yeah, or you can always like and subscribe to this video as well, and you'll see more updates as they come out. Thanks, everyone.